You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, what is wrong with Jeff McNeil this season? Why did he go from batting champ to a sub-700 OPS in June I'm going to break it all down in the second and third segments, and we'll, of course, open the show discussing another frustrating Mets loss. Before we get to any of it, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. What is left to say about the New York Mets? It's the same story, different day. You get pitching, you don't get hitting. They would have got hitting tonight, they probably wouldn't have got pitching. And the irony of this game was not lost on me, as I'm sure it wasn't lost on a lot of you Mets fans, that the bullpen held up. The bullpen held up outside of one guy. And what guy would that be? The guy that we forgot about a little bit. The fact that the Mets have had so many issues lately was partially due to a guy that wasn't there, Drew Smith. Not that he is the greatest pitcher in the world, but he certainly has been uh, one of the better, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know if you can say they said with the 474 era, but he's a guy who's supposed to be able to pitch in high leverage spots. And you lost him because of a sticky stuff suspension, which is an underrated element to this season because the Mets have gone in the tank both times that they played a man short, which is not a coincidence. And the only team in baseball that's had to deal with that. Not to say it's an excuse for the everything else going on in the season, but it is part of the story that gets you to this place where you're just in this disaster of a 2023 campaign. But the guy finally comes back and he gives up a two-run homer. That is the difference in this one. Dead center field. And that was in the sixth inning as soon as Justin Verlander came out. And anyone that wants to say Verlander should have gone deeper in this game was not watching Justin Verlander pitch tonight because while it took incredible grit for him to get through without allowing a run, it was never easy. There was a third inning that he had one, two, three, but the first inning loads the bases, has to fight tooth and nail to get out of it, had traffic on the bases in the second, the fourth, and the fifth. Gave up five hits, two walks, had five strikeouts. It's a decent start. You need more length, but hey, five scoreless, okay. The Mets got him a run, and that was in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, Starling Marte got a base hit, stole second, advanced to third on a bad throw. Francisco Lindor falls behind an account and still able to drive one to you know near the warning track and get that run in. So you had a one nothing lead. Looked for a second like he was going to bend and potentially break and give up that lead, and he didn't. He pitched a, a shot in that fifth and handed it off to the bullpen with a one nothing lead, which 
you know, the hitting is ultimately the issue in this game. Three hits. It's not they were going up against some stud on the other side. They weren't. But for whatever reason, they lineup that looked good in the last couple series and put up six runs. Well, now they couldn't do anything. And they drew just one walk. And they had a bad approach pretty much top to bottom. And the offense wasn't there. But that's not really where the irony sits in. It's the fact that Buck Showalter went to Adam Adovino, Brooks Raley, David Robertson in a way that we haven't seen him do at times this year in a one-run game. It was kind of a, a, a you know, manager who had read the headlines and maybe uh, he listened to the podcasts out there and all the takes on Twitter and saw how many people were criticizing him and saying his, his job should be taken for not managing with a sense of urgency, and he does it. But he does it a day late. And he does it after Drew Smith gave up the lead. And it's not his fault that Drew Smith comes in. He gives up a two-run homer. But how many games you're going to win one nothing? <laughs> I think, in a lot of respects, Buck Showalter managed this game properly. <laughs> but his lineup didn't show up. And you got to grab the games that your lineup does. And that's not to go back to Sunday and put it all on Buck. And again, it's not to say Buck Showalter is, should be the the – end-all, be-all in any of these conversations. It's the fact that this team looks so horrible that it leads you to say, well, do something. Just Can you show some fight? Can you show some some panic? Can you show some anything? Can you show some emotion? And can you react to what's been, feels like the worst month of baseball in Mets history. Now, you go back to the 62 Mets, um, yeah, I'm sure there's been worse, worse months in, in, in men's baseball. And um, you know, maybe there's been some, I don't know, what was September in 2021 like? I'm sure it was pretty bad too. But this has felt awful to watch night over night over night. And, you know, how, how much can you continue to nitpick? Do I like that? Brett Beatty gets pinch hit four in spots against lefties. No, because he has reverse splits that I guess no one in the dugout knows about, or he's actually hit a little better against lefties this year. And you're stifling his development. Um, but who cares? Like, does that change the game? No, the Mets didn't hit. They lost again. So, so, so where do you go from here? What do you do? Where do you look? What, who, what, where do you point the finger? I, I don't know. What I will do is discuss a struggling player who has been awful this month and has really led uh, or been a huge factor in this disastrous stretch of Mets baseball, and that's Jeff McNeil. And he had a bad season in 2021 when the Mets weren't good as well, and you start to wonder if there's some correlation there. And that's what we'll be discussing next. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. The same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, Season to bring home a win. The right parts are guaranteed. So 
to get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices. On eBayMotors.com, let's ride. eBay is guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The New York Mets play the Milwaukee Brewers 7-10 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets' hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Looking through Jeff McNeil's numbers, they look eerily similar to his 2021 season. That year, he hit 251, 319 on base, 360 slug, a 92 weighted runs created plus. Again, Weighted runs created plus measures hitters based on a league average of 100, so he was 8% worse than your league average hitter. That came as a shock because he had a 136 WRC plus as a rookie, 144 in his second season in 2019, and in the shortened campaign, 2020, he had a 131 WRC plus. And if you look at the batting average, he had 329 first year, 318 second year, 311 third year. So he has that disaster of a season in 2021, and there's a lot of questions about Jeff McNeil moving forward. Is this the guy he's going to be? What happened? What, what's going wrong? Well, then he responds in 2022 with a career year. He had 326, won a batting title, 382 on base, 454 slug, 143 WRC+, 43% better than your league average hitter, scored 73 runs, drove in 62. He was worth 5.8 wins above replacement, so nearly a six-win player. This year, he's hitting 260, 340 on base, 330 slug. And this is not factoring in an 0 for 3 performance today. This is your fan graphs numbers that are a day behind. So uh, those will update in the morning and they will tick down a little bit further. And he has a 95 WRC plus. Um, actually, let's look at the live stats. Now they say it's actually, here you go. Here's actually his update in line 257 average, 337 on base, 326 slug. A 93 WRC plus, which puts him just one point ahead of what he did in that 2021 season. And here's the thing. Jeff McNeil, when he's right, his BABIP is going to be really high. Now that is batting average on balls put in play. 359 is a rookie. 337 second year. 335 third year. Last year it was 353. So when he puts the ball in play, he's getting on base at a pretty high clip. Or he's getting hits at a pretty high clip. 2021, it was a 280 bad bip. This year, it's 285. Now, you could say, oh, he's hitting into bad luck. And to a certain extent, he is. But the thing that just shocked me when looking at his numbers, because it's hard to see a drastic difference. It's not like he's striking out a ton. It's not like he's hitting the ball um, you know, suddenly a lot less hard because he didn't hit the ball that hard last year. In fact, he's hitting the ball harder this year than he did last year. Ironically enough, he hit the ball harder in 2021 than he did in 2022, numbers ended up ticking up. And this year he's hit the ball harder again. Numbers have drastically fallen off a cliff. It's a guy that you almost say, don't barrel it up, don't hit it hard. Just find those holes, find those gaps, find whatever you have to. Here's the stat that blew my mind when it comes to Jeff McNeil. His infield fly ball percentage. This season, Jeff McNeil's infield fly ball percentage is how many times in pop-ups? 17.4%. How does that even make sense? 
17% of the time he's popping up. I'll tell you what happens when you pop it up in the infield. You get out 100% of the time. It's not like there's a shift to fall on where you could say, oh, yeah, you know, you can pop one up to third base and there's a drastic shift. You're not going to get there. I I mean, it's horrible. And you look at the company he keeps, that is the 11th uh, worst or best, however you want to describe that. He hits the ball in the air in the infield, 11th most in baseball this year. Guys above him, Carlos Santana, Anthony Santander, Dalton Varsho, Isaac Paredes, Shea Langoliers, Joey Manessis, James Allen, Byron Buxton, Connor Joe, and Jonathan India. There's some good hitters in there, but there's a lot of bad ones as well. That is just a disaster. And there's really no direct correlation where it makes sense. Now, I thought shift, okay, is that that a big difference for him? Last year, you know, he was shifted, and I remember frequently him beating the shift. Is a straight-up infield alignment hurting him? Can he not find holes now where when the, the defense was so manipulated against him, he was able to find those holes? Could be part of it. Here's another thing that he's doing this year. He's pulling the ball a lot more, 42.2% of the time. So last year, was it the fact that they were shifting against him at times and throwing that extra infield over? And then you know, seeing that had him think more opposite field. Is that potentially what it was? Well, last year, he went oppo 25.8% of the time. This year, it's 23%. The biggest thing is not hitting the ball up the middle as much. Last year was 40% of the time. This year, 34.8. I don't know what any of these numbers necessarily point to. I do know what the the infield fly ball percentage points to, and that's just giving away outs. But he's in a weird spot this season. He really is. The numbers are just bad across the board and very much – has you know been part of the, this June slide because you look at his batting average in March and April, he had 298. Not Jeff McNeil, but not horrible. May, he hit 279. This month, he's hitting 187. 187. I don't know exactly what happened this month that led to this. I mean, he is striking out more this month. That is something, 15.3% of the time compared to 8% and 9.7% in the first you know couple months of the season. So that is something, some more strikeouts. But there's just no confidence there. And, and you look at what he did last year against fastballs. He hit 317. This year is 264. Last year against breaking balls, he hit 312. This year is 212. Still doing decent on change-ups, 318, you know, off-speed pitches. Last year was 384. Just a different hitter. A different hitter. And the whiff percentage on breaking balls is kind of shocking. 32.1% last year, 21.2. He's whiffing less on fastballs. Um, but, you know, he's just in a bad, bad place. And I don't know what breaks him out of it. You gave. Daniel Vogelback, a mental health break. Maybe you do that for, for Jeff McNeil and you play Guillaume for a couple days. I don't know. But he's killing him right now. 
And I I don't see light at the end of the tunnel with the body language and everything else. He just looks like he is trying to find it. Um, ironically enough, not that this is anything that, that really jumps jumps out, but batting second, he's been horrible. Um, five games, but still, 176. Batting fifth, hit 241 this year. Batting seventh, 222. His best spots in the lineup are third and sixth, for whatever that is worth. I don't know. But Jeff McNeil this season just can't get out of his own way. Can't. Uh, but maybe um, if they buy him a car, it'll fix it. I don't know. Is this the curse of the car? Is that the explanation for this whole season? I don't know. It's a fun theory. So we'll let's go, go explore it next. Uh, first, another word from our sponsors. Twenty twenty one, there was Raccoon Gate, where uh, there was a rat or a raccoon in the dugout, and there was this whole crazy story that uh, Francisco Lindor made up when he was still a novice at handling the New York media to describe what everyone saw was a clear fight between him and Jeff McNeil in the dugout. That season, those two guys didn't really seem to be on the same page. wasn't a very kumbaya relationship. And the Mets were pretty bad. Now, that's not to blame everything on that relationship, but it is a, a weird North Star for the direction of the Mets season. If those guys are good, which they were great last year, the Mets are good. They're bad. The Mets are bad. This year, Francisco Lindor, while he is not to blame right now because he certainly seems to be breaking out of it. I mean, you look at what he has done. Over the last seven games, hitting 333, 419 on base, 667 slugging. He's trending in the right direction. He's still hitting home runs. He's still driving in runs. I mean, as much as you want to not the guy, he's got 53 RBIs before the all-star break. I mean, he is and he's playing good defense at shortstop. You know, Jeff McGill has had some gaps defensively as well. But when they were Kumbaya last year, and there was a bet out there about Jeff McNeil winning a batting title, Francisco Lindor bet him a car. And that car has never been paid off. Did that ruin the mojo? Did that curse this team? You make a man a promise that you're going to buy him a car and you make over $30 million a year. Get the man a car. I think that could change things. Hey, Jeff McNeil, you suck right now. Show up to work and there's an Escalade in the parking lot for you. For free. Courtesy of Francisco Lindor. Maybe he feels better and gets a couple of hits. I don't know. I'm at the point that it's like, do anything. Have the new dog, Shay, or whatever the name is. Did they call it Shay or Shay the last dog? I don't know. He's cute. You see him on Twitter. Have him go retrieve bats for you. Probably won't work. Small dog. Can he really bring a bat back? I don't know. Do something. Do something. Firebuck Showalter. We said that. Fire Billy Epler. I don't know. Maybe not the wisest thing when you have the draft coming up and the deadline and you have him who brought in a lot of people into this front office and they might be aimless without him. But, hey, his his uh, direction hasn't really helped the team anyway. Do something there. 
trade Tommy Pham while you have a chance because it looks like the the he's starting to turn into a pumpkin in his Cinderella season. Maybe you can still get some value there before it's too late. I don't know. Last week hasn't been kind to him. Daniel Vogelback suddenly is bad again. Had like four games where he was decent, and now he can't figure it out uh, once again. I, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you fix it. But if I had to, to rank, power rank, what can fix the New York Mets? What moves can drastically shift the tides, can change the vibes in the dugout, can get you to a place where guys are having fun again? Here are my power rankings of moves you can do. Rank one, or number one, Firebuck Show, I talked about it on yesterday's show. Number two, Buy Francisco Lindor. Oh, geez, no. Francisco Lindor buys Jeff McNeil a car. Number three, make Carlos Beltran the manager because it's the most fun option. Yeah, Eric Chavez is in the dugout already. Um, You could go with Joey Cora. But bring Beltran in because why not? Why not? Worst case scenario, he's an interim manager, and he gets some experience, and you go in a different direction under hopefully David Stearns making that hire because he's become the new president of baseball operations. We all hope, right? We all hope. Those are those are cross fingers, not middle fingers. I'm sorry if you're watching on YouTube. Anyway, um, it could be middle fingers considering the way the season's gone. Uh, we don't want to do a whole thumbs down scenario again. Man, I, I don't know. I'm clearly grasping for straws at this point because – you get to a stage in the season where you just wonder, can it get worse? And then it does. And then the next night you say, can it get worse? And then it does. And then you have to just come to the realization that this is a bad baseball team. And probably firing Buckshaw Walter and buying Jeff McNeil cars isn't going to fix it. But I like for the Mets to exhaust all options, um, considering there's still, you know, three months of the season once you finally get to July. And boy, has a team ever needed the calendar month to turn to the New York Mets this June. Wow. You never know, though. Maybe they win three in a row against the Brewers. On tomorrow's show, uh, maybe I'll do a little history dive and see if this has been the worst month ever. I don't know. For all you everydayers. You'll find out. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets. And if you want to catch every pitch, Mets hometown broadcast against the Brewers, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.